Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, basketball fans, welcome into another ball movement. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Mike Creppy. Mike, uh, I think we got another Hooper here today uh, in honor of the WNBA draft going on. You know, it's nice to have a, a female baller joining us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Matt. We have a big guest coming on. She is a big-time player, played big-time college basketball. She's also a very enterprising woman. So we're going to get into that as well as, you know, her basketball background and her path overseas and her journey. Yeah, that's uh, Akila Bethel for everybody. Give her a quick Google. Give her a couple minute highlight real watch. You'll uh, you'll see some good stuff there too. And and like Mike said, she's got a lot of other stuff going on off the court. I think you guys actually have a lot in common. You know, she's mm-hmm. trying to get other people uh, more opportunities to play basketball and stuff too. So should be some uh, interesting conversation, I think. Yeah, this, this this market is really opening up with a lot of players giving back, you know, utilizing their experience to try to open it up and give more education to players as they're pursuing this industry. I think just a little tease for everybody, you know, Akilah's played in a couple countries where we haven't had guests that have played so far, so that'll be good. She's the first Harlem Globetrotter to appear on the show, so that's pretty cool to have on her resume as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, the Globetrotters, they, they've been pretty uh, big on inclusion over the last you know decade. So it's going to be interesting to hear, you know, what her experience is like and just to see, you know, from what we might know about the Globetrotters to get some inside information about like what actually goes on um, while playing for them. Uh, just before we get to our convo with Akilah, just a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even the next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your favorite sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head on over to the website or use the mobile device today to join up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. With that, let's get to our conversation with Akila. Our guest today was a first-team all-conference in the prestigious uh, Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, so everybody in the the DMV will know about that, too. Uh, Led LSU in steals as a versatile forward in 2015-2016, was averaging 22 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals in the Ukraine until uh, certain global circumstances uh, put an end to that, so... Uh, we've got a Harlem Globetrotter here, founder and commissioner of the Bethel League. Akilah Bethel, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to kind of start out a little bit, you know, we're, we're focused more on sort of the overseas career here and, and kind of how you transition into professional life. But I started at West Virginia, you ended up at LSU. Kind of talk us through, you know, that process, you know, was that was that with uh, WNBA in mind, professional basketball in mind? Like what was kind of, what kind of led you that route? Well, it's definitely always with, you know, WNBA in mind, but, um, you know, I don't think I was playing as much as I felt like I should have been at West Virginia. And, um, I played one of my better games against LSU, uh, that season before I transferred and I just liked their style of play. And I thought it would potentially fit me better, which I ended up playing more, but I wasn't in my right position. I wasn't, you know, the kid I was, in 2011, when I was in high school, so that kind of hit me hard too emotionally, I guess. Well, that leads me to my next question: Did you make the decision to leave, or did was it something that your family was influencing you to do? Because you see now with the transfer portal, there's a lot more player empowerment now, 
And this was what, 11 years ago that you did this. So, you know, what was your thought process? Were, were you like, look, I know who I am as a player. I know where I want to be. And did that like kind of determine how you went about your transfer period? Well, I think for me, um, I originally wanted to transfer after my freshman year, but I felt like I didn't do everything that I was supposed to do. I didn't put my all in. I didn't work hard enough. So I was like, you know what? Let me do what I'm supposed to do and still see if I feel this way. And I did. I had had multiple meetings with the coach and stuff. And for me, it was just like, why am I not playing? You know, I'm in practice busting their ass is I I need answers you know it would have been fine like look you just tell me straight up what your turn what have you x y and z because I I didn't understand like granted I made mistakes um but I felt like I had put in so much work over the summer I didn't have good work ethic coming into college so that's originally why I was like you know what my freshman year that's on me I didn't Mm -hmm. play a lot I didn't do what I was supposed to do but sophomore year, I came back. I was in shape, better player, worked all through the summer on my skills and everything. And it still kind of was, I wasn't playing that much. I played more than my freshman year, but it was like, I just yeah. didn't understand. Because I, I felt like I did everything that was asked of me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting the result. So to me, it was kind of like, well, I don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, like on yeah. a on homework, you answer all the questions correctly, you get an A. Yeah. So it was um it was really my decision. My decision to go to West Virginia was based on my family, being mm-hmm. close to them, my mom and stuff. Um, and I didn't even take all my visits, which was my fault. I, you know, I was the first in my family, so I was really the guinea pig of it all and didn't yeah. know much and all of that. So no, but I mean, not to harp on the college point, um, but college is, is based on the coaching system. You can do everything within your power to get in shape, play well. And it's almost like, because obviously, you know, we both play Division One. It's like, if the coach doesn't like you, he's, if you get a steal, it's not because you play good defense. It's because they made a bad pass, you know. And felt like I fit in West Virginia's system. You know, I was playing my natural position. I was playing the three. I was playing the one through the three. I didn't even touch the post ever, you know? And the first time I actually did, because I wanted to play, we was playing against Baylor. People had fouled out. He was like, can you play the four? And I'm the type of player. I know all of the positions. I'm versatile. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I can play the four. And at one time I played the four, told my ACL. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, you know, we – Shooting threes, I mean, I wasn't the best three-point shooter, but I had more of the go-to-the-basket. So I felt like I had added more to his scheme. Like, I felt like his system was actually really good for me. I just didn't really understand why I wasn't playing. Yeah. That's a mature thing to realize, though, that, you know, after the first year, like, hey, let me let me put this work in and then give myself a better opportunity. And, and sometimes it's still just not going to work out, right? Like, no matter where you end up. Did coming to those kind of realizations make – you know, this switch overseas, like a little easier because I'm imagining that's something that, that happens when you uh, are, are playing in a foreign country and things like that too. The switch was so easy. I felt like I could finally be myself. Mm-hmm. I felt like I I didn't have the college career that I wanted. I didn't have the college career that I could have had. I honestly feel like had I been better at picking schools, really going on visits, especially that first time around, you know, my five college visits, and I still regret this because Dawn was my fifth visit. 
That was when she first got to South Carolina. That would have been a good fit. Yeah. I didn't go. You know, I think a lot of us get caught up in the hype of hottie one and certain things. And instead of going to play, I mean, I had hottie ones and I've had, and I had mid majors. Like I had James Madison that was on my list that I should have went to as well. But I feel like I didn't have a the best college career because I never found my school. Mm-hmm. I never found my fit where I was supposed to be. Like it was always something. And then I had to sit out that year back then. Uh, Once I got overseas, it was like somebody broke the shackles off me. Like, all right, I got to be myself. That's exactly how I felt my first year. Like it was just like I could finally, they had me here to be a pro and nobody's restricting what I got to do. Either I can do the job or I can't do the job. But that's all I ever wanted. Yeah. So I, I definitely relate to that. Cause you look, you look at my college stats. I mean, honestly, it looked like I sucked. <laughs> look at my stats. It's like, mm, I don't think she can move. And yeah. that might, that may be the story for a lot of us, you know. Because mm-hmm. it's like, shit, what can I do? Can't do nothing. Yeah. Opportunity's huge, and then confidence in your abilities to go out and do those things. And if you know, if you think you're doing the right stuff and still not playing, it probably eats away at your confidence too. I would think. Yeah, I think my uh, my LSU years killed my confidence in playing basketball in general. I honestly didn't even want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, playing professional was always a dream of mine, especially the WNBA. And I was like, you know what? Let me give it a give it a shot. You know, I owe that to myself. I still was blessed to be able to get an agent. You know, obviously LSU carries that weight and go overseas. So, I mean, the path that was supposed to happen, I guess, happened. <laughs> So, so what was that? Uh, that was a great segue because what was that process like when you finished your last year at LSU and then you started looking at your professional options? Um, we had uh, Lindsay Pulliam on. Lindsay played at, uh, she's one of my young fellas, young girls um, that I've known since she was 10 back home in Maryland. And she was talking about her process. And we didn't realize that the women's game did, doesn't have like pre-draft camps and workouts. And any of that. So what, what was your process like coming from? Because she was all conference in the Big Ten and everything like that. So what was your process like when you left LSU? Well, I was originally supposed to go to a, um, a combine. And then I randomly, I guess, like checked my Facebook and LinkedIn. And I had these agents um, hit me up. So after I signed with them, I essentially really got a deal pretty quickly. I just stayed at LSU the majority of the summer and worked out and conditioned a little bit. And then I got home to my guy, Jimmy, and got loose, you know, got my, got my whip back. back. Started, yeah. yeah, started to work out heavy. Um, and when I went over there, it was cool. I mean, obviously the practices are a lot different and everything, but. Where I were you that first year, Akil? Uh, Luxembourg. Okay. Luxembourg. So was that like one of several offers you had and, and you chose from that from a couple options or how, how did that kind of go? No, I think um, with my, you know, stats being the way they were, all I really had was the fact that I played at LSU. Because at some point, obviously, you can't really suck if you're exactly <laughs> at that type of school. Yeah, um, yeah. So I really didn't have much options. And I felt like for my rookie year, I got a decent amount. Not having played well in college, I was just like, all right, let's take this one so I get out of here. 
make my money. Yeah, but see, see, that's the mindset though that we tell a lot of players. You know that we hope a lot of players when they hear this is they think that just because they believe their talent is comparable to somebody that might have had a great college career. You know, we all work out with with all different types of people. People who get drafted, people who you know are in college still, people are overseas, and you know you might get the better of somebody who's in the league, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you demand what they get. And a lot of players miss that. So I think you you were really smart and like you were ahead of the curve, learning curve, understanding like where you were in the market, but still having confidence in your ability, knowing that you could play at a high level, but you understood where you were at that time. And I think that served you well throughout your career because well, a lot of people make mistakes. Kinda, it was kind of hard as well because a lot of my first what, three or four agents only put me places so they can make money. I never really went up in money. Like my first four years I was making the same amount of money that I was my rookie year oh wow and then obviously Luxembourg is a hard place to come out of yeah because it's that stigma like you're obviously not that good you're only playing in Luxembourg so I had the same issue with choosing the college that I had with agents it was just like you know I had quit a lot of I haven't played you know six years straight Mm -hmm. I quit like a year and then I went back and then like it was this love hate because I was just like all right this is just going in the same direction like here go here because that's the best you're gonna get instead of really pushing me and I don't know I just didn't have a I just didn't have good agents my first four years like I was in Luxembourg and I was in Czech Republic took a pay cut going to Czech Republic and it was terrible yeah People listening to this don't realize sort of what that agent dynamic is like overseas. It's not like playing in the States where like they're making a percentage off of your salary. It's teams are paying, you know, them directly to bring players in and things like that. So they're they're getting paid regardless. And maybe even they're, you know, they're making more to bring a player like you to a lower league, even if it's not the best for you. Yeah. And I feel like because I'm like a three stretch four, oftentimes. I get low ball because I'm an undersized four. Mm. But, you know, after coming from being MVP in Puerto Rico and then Ukraine, I'm like, that's done. Mm-hmm. I, I've proven myself. I've always been one of those people. Like, I got to prove it to myself, but I'm going to prove it to you, too. You're going to run me my money. I'm not I'm not <laughs> doing this no more. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the overseas process is really different, even when it comes to, like, the protection of the players as far as the teams go and everything, you know, like my last year in Sparta at Luxembourg, they still owe me money. They just stopped answering the phone and it wasn't anything anybody can do. You know, I feel like the teams really have a lot of power in terms of us, what they can do, what they don't do. Like it's uh, it's different. It's not all glitz and glamour. I know a lot of people look at us on Instagram and, mm-hmm. You know, we're going out, seeing things historic and, you know, going to parties and all this beautiful culture and everything. And then, you know, we do that to stay sane. You got to have some type of balance. It's not all glitz and glamour. You know, I tell the young kids because I have a lot of young girls seeing me about stuff. And I'm like, you know, I just I'm just honest. Like you really mentally have to be made for this. Like that's that's eight straight months of a culture barrier of shit. By the time you get to February, you like 
it's time to wrap it up. It's time to go home. Man, after the second month for me, I'm over it. And then it's just like I lose myself in basketball. And you got to love the game. Like, if you don't love basketball, you're going to be miserable overseas because there's only so much that you can take being away from your family and everything that you know. So if you don't love the game, you think it's just what Akilah was saying, like lifestyle, you're going to be miserable. I mean, and it's so many moving parts. It's it's loving the game. It's your teammates. It's coaches. It's agents. It's just like, because something like my rookie year, I ain't, so towards the last part, I ain't like my team. Then like your teammates and, and the coaching staff and things like that? No, I didn't like my teammates. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. I want you to elaborate on that because I've always had like this observation that women teams have way more fun with each other than men teams. Like you guys take y'all making TikTok videos and y'all just have, even like in college, like the girls teams were way more connected than the guys teams. And so I always thought like, and I told some of my uh, friends that play ball, like y'all have some way, uh, that played on the women's team, y'all have way more fun than us. And it's like, I always looked at that, that, that dynamic and usually they were better than us on the court because of that tightness off the court. But for you to say you didn't like your teammates, like what led to that? My my rookie year, it didn't start off like that. It didn't start off like that. Um, I thought they were cool at first. I'm somebody like I'm very open at first, and then um, but I changed that as I got older because. Um. So what led to it is our I think our last game of the season going into playoffs. They was just hating and I didn't, they, they didn't carry me correctly. Like it was like, who are y'all talking to? Yeah. A girl that wasn't even playing on a bench, running her mouth about something that didn't even matter. We beat the team by 30 and y'all over here with an attitude. The captain came up to me, snatched the stat sheet out of my hand. It was, yeah. I was like, is that a jealousy serious? thing or? I don't know. I think like as Americans, we go over there a lot of the times and it's not all the teams, but a lot of locals just feel like they don't need us. This girl, the big girl had got injured and she was just on the bench and she was old too. So I was like <laughs> telling the captain, I didn't play defense. I was walking. Now, mind you, she big and slow, can't do anything, whether she's healthy or not. So I don't really understand why she has something to say. But it was the snatching of the stashy and the yelling. And I asked her, was this serious before I went off? Because I wasn't sure, you know, culturally, everyone's different. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. So I asked before I went off. Mm. And then that was it was the wrap from there. But see, like, before you go, Matt, like, you have to compose yourself when you're over there. Because one, you know, obviously, the disrespect is disrespect. but you took a step back and paused because when we're over there, you're severely outnumbered. Man. Like whether you know what I'm saying? Like we we heard stories recently. Now we have social media and more, you know, takes on what it's like being over there with players getting hurt and beat up and stuff like that. But it's like you really have to like really prepare yourself because when somebody disrespects you, you can't react as you would in the States. You don't yeah. have the same recourse, you don't have the same resources available to you. And you gotta you gotta take that. You gotta take it like Chris Rock, you know, like oh no, that I was I was uh young and unleashed. I was ready, I was ready for all of them. Like, what's up? 
I don't got time yeah. for none of this. But I would say my last three teams, you know, Puerto Rico, Ukraine, and Turkey has been like heaven sent blessings. Yeah. Teammates, coaches. And I think like that's also, you know, when we go overseas, we got to talk to the coaches as well. Because all they see is highlights. I mean, don't get me wrong. I struggled a little bit in Turkey because the system, plan-wise, mm-hmm. but coaches, teammates, we're all fine. Yeah. And I think, yeah. like, a lot of the times coaches only see highlights. They don't really see us, like, as players. And I really struggle when I'm trying to be put into a box. It's really hard for me to to play. And I'm like, why am I only doing this? I can do this. I can do this. Like, yeah. I want to do everything. <laughs> I think for anybody that's not familiar with your game, Akilo, uh, you know, listening to this, you you can play multiple positions. You can put the ball on the floor. You can drive. You can pull up from the mid range. Like, you can defend. So, just hearing you say that about being put in a box, like, if a coach is bringing you in, I would think they would want to do the exact opposite, right? Like, allow you to be flexible and versatile and. Uh, it, it seems like that would be kind of like the biggest advantage to having you on a team. Yeah, and I feel like um, that's why I thrived in Ukraine. Uh, she understood. I mean, obviously, first couple games, she's looking at me, watching me, figuring out how I played. But after that, you know, she adjusted like, OK, she can do this. And she used me to where I could do everything like I could bring the ball up and start the play or have the play ran for me, you know, I'm, I'm guarding point guards and stuff. So it was like, oh, kid in Candyland, like, all right, well, she can do this. We don't have to really stop outlet it to the point guard. Like we can just, we can go like mm-hmm. now we can put people in their other positions. Like you can score, you can do this. Like was she, was she a former player, your coach? Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's what I remember hearing. So that makes sense to me. Because, yeah. you know, she – people who play to understand, like, you don't always have to have a point guard dribbling the ball, initiating offense. Those are people who are trying to – they analyze the game from a distance. They've never actually played the game. So, like, you get a different experience when you have a coach that plays the game. So that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, the traditional positions, especially, like, every day the game is changing. You know, I feel like more fours are like me now. They're not mm-hmm. back to the basket – power forwards everyone is yeah. stretched now so in the ukraine let's just jump to the ukraine so what, what was what was that situation like since we're talking about it? in terms of like when you were hearing about the war and what was going on because matt Chief actually played on the same team as one of my clients adrian garbo they were on the same team out there so i kind of have a little bit of insight on what was happening with them but i want to hear your experience akila because your experience was different than adrian yeah my experience uh I communicated with, you know, the staff a lot. I was always talking to them every day. Um, I really think that culturally everyone's just different. I think to some point, you know, the Ukrainians were almost desensitized to it because they have been, Russia has been threatening war for eight years. A little bit happened in 2014 and they sent everybody home. So I think they kind of was like, it's not going to happen again, which is understandable. They they live in it. It's not like we here and somebody threatening a war every day because it'd be a different story because it's not a natural part of our culture. It doesn't just happen. So 
I just openly communicated with them. And I was like, look, I get I get your standpoint. Like, I understand where y'all coming from. Y'all live here. I have somewhere to go. I have to go home. And I also pointed out historically when the U.S. gets involved, it's never a good thing. It never pans out to be any type of peaceful, like, let's just let it die down. That never happens. So, you know, I just, I left for a few days, then I came back and I just couldn't really sleep. And I just, you know, talked to her. I said, hey, look, I, I have to go home. I don't feel comfortable. I'm not sleeping right. It's not, something ain't, it's in my loins. Something not right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was like, I understand. Because by that time, you know, we had no, no, no way of making playoffs. So it was fine. I mean, she understood. I left. And that was that. But prior to that, when you guys realized that you guys weren't in playoff contention anymore and stuff like that, they were trying to keep y'all there. And well, we still we still had um, an opportunity to make playoffs if mm-hmm. the war didn't happen. Yeah. Because everybody, all the other Americans on the other teams had already left. Mm-hmm. We were some of the last ones that were there. So technically we still had an opportunity to make it. I, forgot I feel like they I, I feel like they were kind of banking on that, knowing that the Americans were gone, you guys could kind of get some games. And they were only looking at this is the conversation that I was having through Adrian with the team. It was like they weren't even looking at the war part. They were just looking at, okay, these girls are gone. We can make some, we can make some strides and try to get into the playoffs. And Agents like, look, I'm out of here. Like, I don't know what y'all talking about right now, but I'm not staying here. Like, she's hearing stuff in the background, tripping. And and so, but the team didn't even, they never actually acknowledged the war and all of the messages that we had. They just kept dismissing it. Like you were saying, like, they might have been desensitized, but I was just like, the embassy is telling people to go home. Like, what more do we need to have her released so she can leave? And so, like, how long did it take? Talk about that. But also, as a second part to the question, how long did it take for you to get your release to sign in Turkey after you left? Well, I didn't really. It didn't take me long. Once I texted them and told them that I had another place to play, I got Mm -hmm. my release. But I also think it's, um, you know, it's it's ways to handle things. You know, overseas have grudges and things happen. And, you know. I think Adrian may have, it may have gone smooth if she would have talked to him herself. I don't know when Adrian got her release. You know, we, we just got it like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Like, I I didn't even know she left. It was like a thief in the night. I was like, where's she at? No, Matt, look, she, she texted me. <laughs> she was like, I was like, Adrian, I looked at your contract. We have a way to, you know, to get you a buyout because we had another deal in Finland for her. And so I basically told her, just hold off for a day. Let, let's talk to the team so we can go through the proper channels. Like Akila was saying, there's a, a, a protocol that you go through. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, got my COVID test. I'm, le- I'm leaving in the morning. And the team didn't even know until she was in Istanbul. And so they kind of, like, like Akila was saying, they held a grudge. They were like, well, we want this amount of money for her release. And she had fulfilled all of her contractual obligations. And because of the uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what's the clause? I'm having a brain freeze right now. Force majeure. Because in, in, a, in a contract, we had a force majeure clause. So basically, any act of God or anything like that, she's automatically released. And the team is released from and, re, and relieved from, from repaying her. And, but she didn't wait, you know, so they held the grudge. And, like, we literally just got her release. And she just got signed in Mexico in their top league. But it was a, it was a lot, man, because she lost a really good deal in Finland to finish out the season in Europe. And, you know, as we know, Europe is the, the top top league, top level for women's sports and basketball. So it was it was tough. Like, But it, had she gone about it like Akila, she probably wouldn't have had that issue. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a hard decision. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely was like having some sleepless nights and things like that. But it was more so, like I said, you know, playing overseas, you got to kind of with contracts and FIBA. I mean, I honestly I, I blame the Federation. I don't even blame the team like they should have shut it down. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't yeah. even been a conversation like the The Federation should have shut it down. But yeah. they're sending out. You know, they were sending emails saying that the season's continuing. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, if if the head honchos aren't shutting it down, they're not going to send us home. Yeah, exactly. They still think it's safe to play. Like, I I understand both parts. But, you know. I'd be, like, scrolling through Instagram and I would see, like, on, on a news account, here's a tank rolling into the country. And you scroll down to the FIBA account and it's like, here's highlights from Ukraine. And you're like, wait, what are we... <laughs> What are we doing here that this is still going on? Yeah, the Federation should have should have shut it down because a lot of a lot of people had issues getting their release, getting sent home. You know, a lot of the men got caught over there. They weren't even getting paid. Hmm. And, you know, that's the Federation's job, essentially. So are you hearing from the U.S. State Department during all this? Like, is there emails? Yeah. Yeah. I was getting emails and text messages and it was really just my family that was blowing me up, honestly. And I was like, come on, guys, I'm trying to be a professional. I need I have to stay a certain a lot of the amount of time. I went back for the cup game. And after that, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, see, I was surprised you went back because I heard you went back. I, I like, did go back. back? I, left for, I left for a few days to see if things would calm down and. You know, the cup game was important. Just kind of, I've had such a bad stigma early on in my career mm-hmm. about my attitude and X, Y, and Z. And I'm finally, you know, striving towards my peak, reaching towards my peak. Uh, I didn't want to tarnish that relationship because um, I, I enjoyed my time in Ukraine as far as basketball is concerned. And I was just trying to go about it, you know, the right way to where, all parties are happy. Like, look, yeah. this has the some some has to give, you know. And I stayed rocked it out for as long as I could. And you know, I left four days before it happened, so I was definitely getting close. Was it hard hey, to look, get I, out at that point? I'm sorry, Mike. No, I um I flew to Egypt, so it wasn't it wasn't too hard. I mean, the the airports were definitely packed and. It was a lot going on in the airports, but it wasn't hard to get out. Yeah, I would have for sure, if that was me and I'm going back to something that's on the brink of war, like, it would have been a, a quick renegotiation of my contract. Like, look, you want me to come back? I need this. I need three times as much. Like, 
I came back for what two days. I left the yeah. I only came back for two days. Yeah. I left that third day. Yeah, I was like, she went back. I was like, man, yeah, it's all good though. Cause but you handle it like a pro, and you know, and and your mindset. I I I get it now. You know, like just with the context and everything. But um, but I was I was crazy because it happened so fast. Like once it happened, it happened, and then. Like, so like, I wasn't even like, I was like, I told Adrian she should have waited. But at the end of the day, I was like, you got out. And that's all I was concerned about. Yeah. That I mean, all y'all made it back. Important yeah. thing. I definitely wasn't, wasn't staying. I, yeah. I was over there like, all right now, time to wrap it up. <laughs> I, I, I can't sleep. Every little noise is freaking me out. But nobody, like, everybody was in Ukraine, you know, pretty normal, just walking around, going to get their breakfast and everything. Everything was easy peasy. Like, everything was normal in Ukraine until it wasn't. Well, that's interesting. Uh, not to minimize sort of what they're going through from a sort of global perspective here, but just, just focusing on you, like, how tough is that mentally? Because it sounds like you've been a little bit snake bitten career wise, right? Like some, just some bad luck, like the college situation, you tore an ACL, you know, you end up and just kind of stuck in a, in a pro league for a couple of years. That's maybe not where your, your talent sort of, you know, dictates. And then you're finally really like, you're rocking it over there. You're putting up huge numbers. And then this happens. Like how, how do you kind of juggle all that and, and kind of deal with that? I mean, mentally, I was once I left and it actually happened, I was struggling for a little bit because hmm. it was more so like, damn, like I was just there and I, I felt bad for them, too. Like, you know, they were just like I said, still living their life. You know, it was they had been th- threatening war for eight years. It was it was it was tough. I, I was like, man, as soon as I get going, something happens. But I mean, I was I was relieved. I was upset. It, emotionally, it took a toll on me for a while. But gotta go on. One of the questions we always like to ask on here is just like, what do players do to kind of protect their mental health while they're playing overseas? But what do you do in that situation to kind of like bounce back from that and head to the next job and get in the right mindset? Let's try to. I, don't, I mean, me. Whenever I try to refocus on basketball, I step away from basketball. I do everything but basketball. Like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to be in the gym. Don't throw me no ball. I'm going to go get my nails done, head done, do something completely on the other spectrum, mm-hmm. other end of the spectrum to get myself, you know, refocused. Because a lot of times, like, we do need breaks. We need mental breaks. We need physical breaks. And I was just like, I- I'm not going in no gym. Give me some food. I'm going to here. <laughs> That's totally fair and understandable. All right, let's just take a quick break from the show to hear from one of our sponsors, Credit Karma. Paying down debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payments. If you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way you'll have just one due date a month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so that maybe you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Oh, maybe you want to take out a loan to go to the final four next year to set courtside at an NBA game. You know, one of those kinds of things. I like the real important stuff. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. 
Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.loan slash loan offers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Okay, with that, let's get back to the show. You are a globetrotter uh, in your professional career overseas, literally, and now you are, you know, you've been a globetrotter here in the U.S. I think that that's pretty cool. And you're our first globetrotter on the show. So can you tell oh. us about that experience? Oh, yeah. Well, when I when I was a globetrotter, it was cool. It was um, it was different. Um, the best part was, you know, making the kids smile, obviously being the only girl on one of the teams. All of the young girls, you know, they looked up to me, wanted to be like me and stuff. And it was surreal. You know, globe charters are like monumental stamp in history. And I was one, especially I think I'm the only girl from Baltimore to ever be a globe charter. So it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. it. You know, I had to choose, you know, basketball, go charter. So, you know, basketball always wins my heart. So, so check it though. So there's like, you know, when people hear globe charters, right, they think of more of the entertainment value of it. And obviously they've transcended basketball and sports at this point. They're like a staple in culture, like you said, mm-hmm. but like, don't know because I don't know, you know, like I've been in basketball my whole life and I have this impression of the Globetrotters as almost like a circus act. You know, the guys can do tricks and they put on a show, they're dumping the bucket of confetti on the the generals, you know, and, but is there a level of basketball within that or is it all like kind of like scripted, like WWE wrestling type stuff? It's definitely um, basketball. You have to be able to play basketball to be a globetrotter. Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're here to – or former. You got to say former mm-hmm. globetrotter. <laughs> we're here to, uh, you know, make people smile, change the culture, have you know, embrace all cultures, just change the world. That's really the staple for the – for the Globetrotters. So is, is any of it like, do you guys know what's going to happen when it happens or is some of it improv, improvisation? Like in terms of like the tricks and all of that stuff. Well, I can't really speak on that. Okay. That's Trade also secret. Proprietary. Yeah, I yeah. can't really speak on that. Okay. 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 There are a lot of like really high level basketball players that end up on that team. And I think that's, you know, that speaks to that too. Like that, it, it is a cool outlet and it is high level basketball um, involved there too. So. And it's a, it's a different community. You know, you get a different outlook, outtake on basketball. It's your, it's kind of being with basketball without actually being in basketball. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not ready to give it up yet, but I'm a, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I was just curious because, you know, I've always looked at it from afar and, you know, you see that, you see the Amber mixtape stuff, you see the Mall of Life stuff. And then, like, just Have you gone to a recent men- show? No, I haven't. You should go to a recent one. It's it's yeah. changed a lot. It's still, you know, it's still the Globetrotters, but more, like you said, you, a lot of people want to see that basketball aspect. Yeah. It is. It's a great show. Great is game. That- great show. Was that just good timing for you, like where you were at career-wise? You talked about maybe kind of like losing losing the love for it a little bit. Like, was that just kind of a nice mental break maybe? 
It was. It, honestly, it came right on time. It came right on time. Uh, my first year of my league had just ended, and um, I went and tried out. You know, I hadn't played overseas, I think, by that time, what, two years? So I was like, mm, that's what's up. Let me, let me do this. And then it just, you know, I just got my love back and we weren't on tour at the time and I was able to go play in Puerto Rico. And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back overseas. And you downplaying, like you played like really well in Puerto Rico. Like what what were, what was your experience like that there in their top league? Um, So I, I honestly went into this because, you know, I played in Puerto Rico before and I got mm-hmm. cut. I played on Santo SA back in 2018, and they they sent me home. And I've been trying to get back to Puerto Rico ever since. So this was, like, this was personal. This was Mm -hmm. really personal for me. Like, oh, y'all played. The the revenge tour, right? Man, this has literally been the only team to, like, out of my professional career, I've never been cut. And I was cut in Puerto Rico. And I was like, oh, y'all, y'all play. Let me show y'all that y'all tried it. I'm not playing with y'all at all. So, and it really just helped me get my confidence back. It got my swag back. It got my like, okay, I'm looking at the game different. I'm not just out there forcing it. I'm I'm letting it come to me. I'm just hooping. And I think my first couple years of professional basketball, I was like, I just wanted to prove to everybody that I was this player. And mm-hmm. It wasn't happening. And this time it was like, I'm proving it to myself, but you, you're going to kick rocks while you watch it. You know? So it was amazing. I I enjoyed it. You got the MVP of the league, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, come on. Like, talk, talk, talk. I I was on a mission. Look, I, I was on a mission. Every, I was coming for everyone's head at that point, you know? People didn't think that I was that good. They, you know, didn't understand why I was on, why I was on Cedra. Couldn't believe I got picked up again. And then I played and was like, oh, she didn't play like that with us. Well, it's crazy when you let players actually play. What happens? Exactly. And give some context because you guys weren't even projected to make the playoffs. And and you guys finished third, right? Yeah. Yeah. Finished third in um in the regular season. I think everybody was out to get us. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you have Puerto Rico is very traditional in the sense of like these are the teams that are supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Then you have us, this this Cinderella underdog team that first time in the league. Got players that nobody really knows. They got one girl that had got cut years ago. You know, new comes, Amani comes. We got all of the quote-unquote last picks of the Puerto Rican draft. Nobody's really, you know, looking at us. And then we come and we messing everybody little brackets up. We, <laughs> yeah, because we, we messing everything up. And Aquila got MVP, man. And then Adrian, who was on her team again in Puerto Rico, she got defensive player of the year. So they were like really making some noise. I thought you guys were going to make a push because that would have been crazy. First year in the league that y'all won it all. But, man, you know, it was still they, a great season. They weren't going to let it happen. Yeah. 
Well, we was having issues with y'all can't play in your home gym. So we lost the first playoff game. Then like the refs, it was, I was over it. Yeah, but, but the fans though, that you guys had a great fan. Base. Oh, the fans was amazing. They were, they were amazing. I think once they seen how passionate and how hardworking, because also, Matt, we was rocking with like seven people. By the time we got down to that semifinals game, where we had seven, one girl yeah. was six, tight knit group. Six. So we really had six. One girl that hadn't played all year was now playing. Coach left. Uh, another player left. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> That just sounds like a fun basketball experience, though. Like, everybody likes being the one to kind of shut everybody in the gym up. And then you got fun fans. And it's just like kind of your small, like, crew of players, you know, like, that That, that sounds awesome. It was. It was so much fun. I, like, that was by far, like, one of the best experiences I've I've had thus far. Did that open a lot of other doors up for you, you know, like? for the next year and stuff like that. Once you have MVP next to your name, no matter, you know, what the league is, like what then the circumstances that has to help yeah. um, for the next job. Yeah. That's what I'm going for in Mexico. MVP that, called my name. Is that next oh, yeah, season? You're going, you going down there too? Yeah. yeah I'm going, um, when I leave, I leave Saturday. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think Asia's about to leave. She's waiting on her visa, but uh, yeah. But now Mexico, Mexico's paying. She, huh? Where's she going? She's going to Jalapa, Halcones. Ah, got you, got you. Yeah. Yeah, she's going there. They just announced it the other day. But, um, but yeah, like, once they played well, like, all of them got really good deals and have kept getting good deals after that season. Yeah. So, Puerto, shout out Puerto Rico. You know, they really opened up the doors to these players and let them basically showcase themselves and, you know, prove that they are who they say they are. Because, like she was saying, you know, Teams are so traditional in the way they recruit and scout. And once you have like a stigma to your name or you got cut or they think you're a certain type of player, they keep looking at you that way, despite what you've done and become. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was just a good situation for those for those players on that team because they could all play like the way I look at players and the way other teams look at players are totally different. I can see that they can play. We just need to get them in there so they can prove it. And then once they prove it now, the whole narrative changes. Now it's like, oh, we want you, we want you, we want you. But the energy was totally different six months ago. Right. And so I think Puerto Rico is definitely an underrated league. I think mm-hmm. as far as, I guess, not, I don't even think they're classified as South American leagues. I don't know. As far as leagues go, summer leagues, they're definitely one of the top leagues. I think, you know, Europe looks down on them a little bit. In terms of like, oh, you played in Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico is a fast league. It's three months of you playing essentially back to back. You know how hard it is to play 40 minutes on a Monday, then come back on a Wednesday and Thursday, and then have off on Friday, then come back Saturday <laughs> and wow. still be able to average 20 something points a game. It's a lot. It rebounds and deep, like, it's not where, you know, where you're, you practice for a week, you have one, maybe two games, and Another week, like. So, so what was your recovery routine like? Did they have like physios there, or were you on? Yeah, your we own? had physios. Eventually, got um, the pool. Um, it was it was a lot of massages and stuff because I, I couldn't move. Yeah. 
Yeah. To a point where I was like, mm, maybe I'll just sit out the first part of warm up. <laughs> Give me some icy hot. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have to bring a lot of that stuff with you too? Like, like an icy hot or things like that? Or is that stuff that they supply? Not the stuff that they supply. I mean, a lot of us, if you've been doing this long enough, you just automatically bring certain things mm-hmm. because it's yeah. like, mm, I don't, you don't really want to rely on them for everything because really, truly only, you know, your body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we normally bring bands and we bring our own foam rollers. Some people have bought Normatex. They bring them themselves. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I probably will be eventually. Yeah, you got to invest. Like, you have to invest. We've heard a lot of mixed things, right? Like some some people we've talked to, they've had to go across the street themselves to McDonald's to get bags of ice and like, because the team's not providing things like that. So it's interesting to hear just sort of like, you know, what you get in different leagues and, and how much they actually try to take care of the players. Oh, yeah, it definitely depends. It depends on the league. It depends on the country. It depends on the team. It's it's so many, like I said, it's so many moving factors and moving parts. That's why it's kind of like you have to talk to them ahead of time. You have to kind of put yourself out there like, hey, like, well, we have this. Is there a way to do this? Is there a way to get this? And obviously it's always going to be a learning curve, a learning situation, especially coming out of college. You don't really know what you need, what you're getting into. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's an agent that's just trying to make this quick little percentage, Mm -hmm. not really looking out for you as long as they get paid, they get paid. So, you know, I always tell them, like, as for this, as for the recovery, definitely ask for the car, the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is the most important thing. There you go. And, you know. Hey, look, Matt, one thing I heard about Akila is she is not shy about telling the team what she wants. And I think more players need to do that, you know, because we're the ones out there, right? And a lot of times players, been like that my first two years, you know, you don't want to ruffle the feathers. You don't want to rock the boat too much. And so, you know, you don't want to seem like you're too needy or a diva and all of these things. But at the end of the day, like you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. And you need to tell them what you need to do your job, you know. And then and then once you have the leverage, then it's like, look, this is what I need to be comfortable. You know, because at first you're just trying to get what you need to do your job, to get what you work. And then once you have played yourself into that position, like now it's like, all right. You hear about these these um, entertainers. I need all green M and M's in my in my dressing room. They've earned oh, the right yeah. to ask for it. Yeah, they've yeah. earned the right to ask for that. You know, they didn't come out the gate. So, you know that that's something that you know I think is really important that people should learn from Achilles. That you know, for the players out there listening, just make sure you guys and do it in a professional way. You know, you don't yeah. want to like basically seem like you're condescending or anything. Just tell them, hey, look, this is what I need. I want to help the team out, but you know, in order for me to do my job, I need these things. And well, yeah, so, I think yeah. the most important thing is to not overdo it. And it's just, it's basic necessities. It's asking for reasonable stuff, right? Right. Exactly. It's, I need to talk to my family. I need to be able to watch my shows because essentially we're over there by ourselves. Once basketball stops, practice game, we go back to the house by ourselves. Mm-hmm. I say a car because a lot of the times there's a language barrier. So if I want to go explore and do things, I probably should go on my own because, I mean, we can't really communicate and stuff like that. So basic necessity. If we go as far as like, oh, well, 
I can only shower with it, like do certain things, it it becomes really difficult. Mm -hmm. So was that part of the determining factor uh, to to head to Mexico was like the the situation and, you know, they were receptive to those things. Like what what played into that choice, I guess? Um, You know, it's a it's a first year league and uh, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of great players going down there. So, you know. Why not be one of the staples of the beginning of the league? You yeah, know? get in early. Like, I like it. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of heavy hitters going down there. Um, I seen, you know, some people just sign like WNBA players. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And Mexico Mexico pays, right? Because the men's top league down there, the LNBP men's, like guys make anywhere from 10 to 25,000 a month, mm-hmm. you know, down there. And so this is the first year for the women and they're offering pretty good money, you know, for a first year league. So, yeah. I mean, at least what we, what I've been seeing and the players that like Akil was saying, the players that are going down there. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, but they, they put their money in the basketball down there in Mexico. They do. Stay away from the water. <laughs> Get bottled water. <laughs> I know. Right. How long are you going for Akila? Like what's the commitment? Um, From April to July. Okay, so not super, super long. That's nice. Yeah, not too long. I think real quick, we'd, we'd just like to transition to another league that might be near and dear to your heart. Can you tell us about the Bethel League and, and what that is? I, I think, you know, we've had look, a lot look of... At it, look at it. She yes. <laughs> so um, the Bethel League is a women's summer league um, for mainly, you know, pros, cosplayers, anybody that wants to stay in shape, get buckets. Um, my league is more competitive on the more competitive spectrum. Um, got eight teams this year. Nice. Uh, the original, you know, my goal is to have the young generation be able to see the pros in the DMV area and, you know, get inspired. Um, like I said, I think Baltimore in general has a bad stigma. Um, we have a lot of great players, great atmosphere great historical you know pieces to Baltimore and I just want to touch on the women's side of basketball you know we always have men's league everywhere you find somewhere where men are playing but I think what sets me apart is that it's competitive that is so many overseas pros coming to play you know I have people flying in coming to play and um, I just really want to expose the younger generation to like hey you can do it and not Maybe not be old WNBA, but it's a lot of people that make it out, and you can too. First of all, congrats on starting the league because I already know how much work that goes into that, and just to plan something to that level. And that was actually how I first, you know, heard about you was through the league. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even know you actually played until I started, you know, hearing more about you from different ages and players and things like that that you actually played. But like I heard about the league first, which is a testament to how the league was being run, the the marketing and the organization of it you know so uh so that was the first time i ever heard about you but then like because you know i had a lot of players that played in your league that came to my events since i started working with and uh they just spoke highly about the league how much it helped them stay ready you know and you got a good thing oh thank you i appreciate that for fans that might want to check it out can you give us the the where when you know all that where when so if you follow bethel league on instagram it's at bethel league on IG. It starts uh, June 4th to August 6th. It'll be every Saturday. 
Um, we'll be dropping more info and team names and everything um, coming up soon, but it's going to be really exciting. I have more teams than I had last year, so yeah, cool. excited about that. And yeah, it's going to be a lit summer. It's in Baltimore or is it going to be? It's in Baltimore. Okay. Got to keep the hometown. Got to keep the go. hometown. I like it. Are you going to play when you get back? Have you decided yet? Uh, what What's the thought there? I'll, yeah, I'll probably play. Shoot some threes. There you go. <laughs> three-point line to three-point line. Huh? <laughs> that's, all, that's as far as I'm going. Uh, at this point in the show, we, we like to do kind of a little fast break, you know, some some quick hitting comments, just kind of first thing that comes to mind, a couple quick answers. I guess just any new foods or new hobbies you've picked up in your kind of overseas uh, experiences? Mm, no. I mean, I haven't eaten bacon in months. <laughs> I was upset about that, but that's about it. Okay. No, what's, what's the best advice you can give uh, a player about, you know, as they're preparing for their professional career overseas, like what what would be some advice you would give them? Not to not to expect anything. I think stay professional, go over there and do your job. Because like you say, you can always ask for more and do more if you're doing your job. You go over there and do you know what they ask you to do. Definitely always protect yourself and definitely find someone to communicate with if. A lot of people were scared to talk to other people, reach out like, hey, how do you do this? Or what was this like? X, Y, and Z. And I think that's um, that's foolish. I think we should be more open to communicating with with each other, because obviously, who knows better than someone that was in your in your place Um, and stay in shape. I think that's the hardest thing for me coming home, getting out of shape, coming back in shape, getting out of shape. It's the hardest thing. but. You know, just work on your skills and remember that you're over there to get buckets. I like that. Perfect. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, anybody who listens to this, uh, who's kind of a couple years behind you, will we'll learn some things and hopefully you can kind of save them some some growing pains here too. All right. Yes. <laughs> uh, you mentioned your shows. You got to have the Wi-Fi, watch some stuff. What's what's the shows you've been watching or binging that have helped you kill time, uh, you know, the last year? Oh, or so? man. So I started watching Bridgerton. Okay. Um, what else? Well, obviously, Power Book and Force was on while I was overseas. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I go back to my my original OG friends. I can always count on friends. You know, it's 10 seasons <laughs> of friends. So <laughs> it's good background noise. You can kind of tune out if you need to and not miss anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you kind of touched on it by going without bacon. Um, but what is something that you've had to go without? you know, outside of bacon when you overseas that you're like, man, I'm just missing this right now. If anything. Everything. (laughs) Chips, you know, candy. I know in Turkey, I was struggling a little bit because I was eating burger and fries for like two two weeks straight. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it's uh, just kind of getting used to the food and different, Mm -hmm. different avenues and aspects, you know. Yeah, they have because Turkey has more of Turkish food, Turkish delights. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, Ukraine had more of everything that I would normally eat. You know, they had shrimp, they had this, they had that, and it's got to kind of adapt. Uh, that's a, definitely a piece of advice. You got to adapt to food. You have to. You can't necessarily be picky unless you do find a McDonald's near you or something. Yeah, that was, that was me in China. My first like two weeks in China, I didn't trust any of the food. 
I just went to McDonald's every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then yeah. I was like, oh, and then, you know, you start to get used to, you know, what the city has and stuff like that. But you got it. You have to adjust quick. Cause, you got to adjust. Yeah. That's why we come back with so much weight loss. Man. <laughs> It's nice to have that option, though, to probably kind of ease into things over there. You know, one staple you can go to uh, just to fill some time. Yeah, yeah. Best overseas story, something crazy, something wild. I think everybody's got at least one, it seems like, of just um, something that we're like, wait, how did this happen? You know, like just just kind of craziness. Um, well, I got called a black monkey in Czech Republic. Oh, wow. By a, yeah. by a player, by a fan, like by, by a guy on the street. I was walking um, from the grocery store, and his dog was off leash, and it was coming up to me. So I put my hand down, and it was like, "What are you doing? Like, stop, black monkey!" And I was like, "Okay, Jeez. you a monkey." Wow! But I was kind of like shocked. I was like, "You know, let me go find something, a weapon or something," because he <laughs> talking crazy. But yeah, I was kind. I was just like what probably hard to keep the baltimore from coming out when somebody's saying something that reckless it is, but I, I know i don't want to go to jail in czech republic <laughs> at all at all but yeah I, that was my first time i guess like experiencing racism overseas i i experienced it in college but that overseas was different well it's still backwards in a lot of these countries especially eastern european countries you know they're so backwards still and you know you see it with what's going on in ukraine and in russia and and when it's really when you, they rear its head when conflict comes up, you st- like it's it's underneath the surface unless you're living over there. But once mm-hmm. something public happens, then you start to hear about the reports. And it's all if you've been over there, like I played in Germany, you know, I played in Czech Republic, so like you know it's there. It's just that it's it's different when it comes to your front step. Yeah, yeah. I was I was definitely yeah. shocked and surprised. I was like, y'all did it over here? Oh, yeah. Okay. How about on court? Ever have anybody say, I mean, not doesn't have to be that kind of comment, but just somebody say something wild or a coach run like a crazy play, that kind of thing? No, I normally talk back on the court. So no, just your your normal girl banter. Gotcha. All right. So uh, we always end the show with somebody that you think we should interview next that maybe has a good story or maybe some, you know, great experiences from being overseas that you know. And you have to help us get them. Oh, well, I always throw out Megan Simmons out there. So I'll see what she she's available. Megan Simmons. All right, we'll, we'll put it down. She played in the WNBA for a little bit, right? I know the name. She went to Tennessee. She played on yeah. the past summer. Got it. Okay. That's why I know that. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, Akila, we taking up a lot of your time already. Anything you would like to plug to, to listeners here or anything you have going on other, you know, other than the Bethel League or, or something that you'd like to, you know, have fans know about? Uh, not mainly the Bethel League. Just come out this summer, you know, look for location and everything dropping soon. The uniforms are fire. There you go. It's going to be so much fun. I, I'm in Maryland, so I'm going to come to a game this year. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah, I already told you I'm coming, so. Come yeah. through. It's, it's going to be different. Got some heavy hitters coming out. Uh, there you go. I like it. Very cool. <laughs> Thank you again for the time. This was great. I think you such a kind of diverse experience there that um, it, it's different from other stuff we've heard about. And I think we probably could ask you another hour worth of questions. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you for having me, guys. No, thank you, Akila.
Everybody, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will check you next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.